Hey, it's Gil Hans. Welcome to today's Five Clubs Conversation. Um, my guest today is one of the best golf course superintendents and a really dear friend, Russ Myers. Russ is the golf course superintendent at Southern Hills, where we'll be hosting major championship this week. And Russ, before that, worked with us at Los Angeles Country Club uh, during the restoration of the North Course and prior stints. He had been at Southern Hills before LACC, Card Sound before that, did a lot of uh, internships at Augusta National and uh, got his education at Cobalt Skill University in New York. So hopefully you'll enjoy this conversation with Russ Myers. back to our five clubs conversation and i'm happy very very happy to be joined by a dear friend but one of the best golf course superintendents in the world and getting ready to host a major championship at the pga championship my good friend russ myers russ how are you i'm doing great gil glad to be here with you so i think we want to talk today a little bit well two things the restoration project that we all accomplished at, at southern hills and then the the pga championship which is coming up so any preference where we go first we got plenty of time. We'll rip we'll cover it all. You've gotten to know Jim and I really very well. And so working with golf course architects can sometimes be very interesting. We'll put use that word. You know, having worked with us and with Jeff Shackelford at LACC, how did that prepare you for what we wound up doing at Southern Hills? And you know, what did you learn from that process? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, if you remember, I started at LA Country Club they were already starting the irrigation. So, and I don't think you and I had even met at the time I started. Um, so it's, it's been quite a run. My, I, I say this with all deference. The only other real project I had been through as a superintendent was at Card Sound Golf Club with Brian Silva, who, you know, I love working with Brian, love him as a person. His personality reminds me a lot of your partner here, Mr. Wagner at times, <laughs> sarcastic wit uh, uh yeah there's a lot of that yeah so uh but i was so young and and really with experience from augusta national the card sound to three years at southern hills there was a lot of commonality to the maintenance it was what i call a sweeping the floors type of maintenance you got to keep things crisp and clean and 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 when i hit la country club it was a massive learning experience for me i had never maintained you know, off areas, native areas, uh, you know, if you perfect world for you, what I've learned to figure out would be center row irrigation and the surrounds, you know, the edges are what they are. And, and that was an adjustment for me to, to not to tolerate from my end. I, I, I appreciated it. I just had to learn how to do it right. And, and, you know, as you know, your phone, certainly Jeff Shackelford's phone and Jim blew up with calls all the time or texts of pictures saying, is this the look, is this the look all the time? And, and what it did for me is I've told this story before. I feel like on the sweeping the floors mentality, it kind of caps out at some point. You can only get the floors so clean. You can only get the course so green, so perfect wall to wall. And then it's, it's a, how long can you maintain it game? And, and looking at that over a career can be, it hits a ceiling 
And so when I LA North, what it did for me is it helped me see everything else. And it helped me bring maintenance to understanding what you all wanted as architecture. And it gave me a whole nother goal as a golf course superintendent. I really, I mean, multiple times in my career, certainly uh, while I was here at Southern Hills, I often looked ahead and wondered what the long term of my career was going to be. Was I going to want to do this till I retired? Because I felt like I understood what I was supposed to do. Well, now with the mentality I gained from LA Country Club, I look at it differently every day because it's not just the presentation of the grass and it's, it's more to it. It's how is it tying into the surrounding landscape? How's it going to play? And with LA for sure, you had to know when to leave stuff alone as much as you had to know when to try to work on it. And we've obviously brought a little bit of that into the elements here at, at Southern Hills with the bunkering a little bit. I don't worry at all about imperfections as we get outside the center lines. Like I used to, I worry less about them even in play. Cause I just, hundred percent try to focus on playability. And I think it, I've said it before. I think I've told you to me, it rejuvenated my career. It, it got me excited to get back to looking at the golf course every day. And it makes me excited to work on it when weather's not perfect too, because it's not just about it being perfectly green and clean. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think more than any superintendent we've worked with and we've worked with some of the best, you relished that opportunity to focus on the natural, to focus on, you know, Bill Kittleman, who's been a mentor to Jim and I talked an awful lot about golf course presentation being like a tapestry, right? So if you go to these old castles in Europe or you go to the, the Vatican or wherever these tapestries in the center, they're really tightly bound and the colors are vibrant and everything's really knitted together. But over years and over time, as you get to the edges, they fray and the colors get muted and they kind of fall apart on the edges. And I think the best golf course presentation is like that. It's this tapestry that, you know, you focused and you were able to, and, you know, accomplish getting the playing surfaces in the center of the tapestry tight and really well woven and vibrant. But then, as you said, it was almost the, the edges and how you merge the golf course, which is ultimately an artificial landscape into the natural landscape and LA North, you know, give us all a great, a great education in that. I remember you had given a tapestry analogy in the past. And I remember about the second time you gave it, I had to ask you what a tapestry was. <laughs> if you go to the bull and bear, there aren't any hanging on the walls. It must be like Miller Light tapestry or something. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, it, it's been, it's made it fun for me. I mean, not to go on. I mean, this look, it, it fits in, as you know, every golf course in America, every superintendent, has to deal with not has to but it ha either has the good fortune or struggles with dealing with committees of memberships and they have all good intention and they ask questions and sometimes they have ideas and it's if as a superintendent if your goal is constantly telling them that's not a good idea and you don't have good reason that's no place you want to be spending your time and your career so you know, the visions that are there, it, what it, if it doesn't fit into the broad picture, you can explain to them, hey, I love the concept of getting flowers on the golf course for you, but it really makes no sense to the broader landscape. Let me try to, to explain to you what, you know, Gil and Jim and Jeff talk about. In some ways, it's an insulator. It Because it, 
you all come with much more credibility than we do in a lot of those instances. And uh, so it helps us to kind of filter that stuff and keeps us moving in positive directions instead of, instead of chasing ideas that, that any one of them in and of itself may not be that horrible, but when they start to add up, you look back and go, geez, what have we done here over the last 10 years? Yeah. And I think that the best superintendents that we've worked with challenge us. They, they make our stuff better, right? They look at different ways of presenting it and they, they love that sort of mentality of, okay, I'm going to try to capture the image these guys are after, but I think I can do it better. Or I think I can embellish it here. I can do this there. So I think we always embrace that challenge. We always love the creativity that a superintendent can bring to it. What challenges specifically working with us did you face so that you came up with at, at LACC that you think made it easier for you at Southern Hills, or at least understanding, okay, when we get into Southern Hills, I can kind of predict this is the way these guys work or how, how that all comes together. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't, I don't ever remember looking back and, and thinking challenges. I just remember looking and feeling like I was learning because it's kind of how I operate anyway. I need to understand what those around me are trying to accomplish. And I feel like if I know what you want and I know what Jim Wagner wants and I know what Jeff Shackelford or Seamus Maley or you know, Nick Sidorkis or the membership, if I know what everybody wants, I can come up with the way to get it done. That's my role. I'm kind of a field general that can can solve that for them. And I think I left LA Country Club thinking I understood exactly how you guys operate, but I also don't think that was the way you guys operated at Southern Hills. I think, I think you guys had principles and you have guiding philosophies that shape what you do but you don't do them the same. You didn't do them the same here as you did there. And you looked at the property differently. And, and so, you know, I wanted to make sure that now that I had the opportunity to prepare for the project at Southern Earls, I made it very easy for you guys while you were here. So I wanted to be ahead of the game and think through every last thing. You can't really do that with you guys because to some degree, you're not sure where you're going until you really get into it. And right. And, and the minute I yeah, the minute I start jumping out there trying to do too much, that's when you know Jim flips the door to the excavator open and looks at me and says, "Hey, what are you doing? Leave me alone, will you?" And uh, and so it, yeah, I can do it to some extent, but it's not like there's a one size fits all with working with you guys. And and you know, I don't have a ton of experience working with other architects, but but. Uh, it's great by me. I'm just, I'm not doing it because I want to take it over. I'm doing it because I want to be helpful and I'm trying to figure out where to help. And that was it. And, and, and you, you just have to figure out where you're going on each project. You know? oh, and I think a lot of it too is the collaborative process, right? You know, and, and the historical process at, at LACC, we had Jeff Shackelford who did all this great information on George Thomas and LACC. And we had this treasure trove of information and at, at Southern Hills, we had Clyde Christman, member of their club historian providing us with all this information. So how important did you find that to sort of how it emphasized what we were doing or how it influenced what we were doing? And ultimately, how excited did you get about, I mean, or did you just get bored looking at all these photos of different holes, different angles, or did you actually think, hey, this is pretty cool. Here's something that maybe we didn't notice. And, and what do you think about this? Yeah, I think every time we uncovered something, it was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Whether it was the expansion of 10 and, and how the left side was. I mean, I think there's things you believe are true. And then whether you can prove them to be true is what gives you the, oh, yeah, that's that's. And then you find some things where you're like, wow, I didn't realize it was like that. And, and, and you're like, geez, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, 
I started trying to find everything I could. And I had conversations with, you know, longtime members at the club who have founding member uh, lineage. I sat with them at lunch and would talk to them and try to pick their brains and figure out where to go find more info. Cause they're, they're, we didn't know where it really all was when we started Clyde uh, you know, he's in my office every day asking me questions. And within a matter matter of about a week, he was as bit inter- more interested, maybe more than me. And obviously I still had to go do other things. He spent more time on it and then just dove into all the club's archives and, and just took that, that ball for me. I mean, I, I would have loved to have done it. I would have never done it as well as Clyde did it. And our texts and picture shares were amazing uh, over the years. And, and I don't know that our information was better than, you know, many of the projects you've done restorations on certainly LA country club, but uh, there probably wasn't as many changes to this place, which I think was a credit to it, but the ones there were, were really interesting. And it, and it really highlighted to me where it started. And, and again, it made it more interesting to take care of it every day. I mean, you don't take care of trees in the middle of fairways very often. You know I mean? You don't have them we don't, we don't leave them there very often. Either. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I get that. And then, you know, creeks, uh, there's no way. I mean, I can remember working at Augusta at, out of college and I don't remember exactly which year it was, but, and then working on the Creek in front of 13 green to get it to look natural. And yeah, you give these a starting point, but these creeks look their best the longer you leave them alone. You know, you give me five, three inch rains around here and these things start to look pretty awesome. And that's as much of an art to me. It's as much what I, I all spring was like looking at the creek right at 17 going, yeah, we're going to get a few more heavy rains. That's going to look great. We haven't really had, but the one, but uh, I, I like, incorporate that into my maintenance now like i need a couple heavy gully washers i don't want to go out and manually do it because it'll never look as good and i kind of wait for that stuff which makes it more fun for me and it makes you feel like you you you, you're thinking through it more yeah we get to that point in construction a lot where you know you you all of a sudden you get a a storm comes through and it tears everything apart and yeah it's it's demoralizing because you got to put stuff back but frequently it comes it actually looks better after mother nature gets her fingers on it and takes care of it was there any particular change that or alteration of the golf course that we discovered in in the whole process that was really the most or it's turned out to be the most exciting one to you Hmm. I don't, I don't know if I've thought about it like that. I'm a big fan of 10. I'm it's the subtlest of one, but I'm a real big fan because of a before and after of, of just the little introduction there left of 11. I I always found that 11th hole to be a little bit um, blah to me. It's just straight downhill kind of tucked in there to a elevated green with bunkers around it. Right. And, and now I, I don't think it's, you know, the most dramatical in the world, but now left will make you worry a little bit. Right. And you can't bail because you don't want to be in the right bunker, certainly hitting to the pin if it's back half of the green. And so I look at that hole and I just think such a minor change made such a big difference to it to me. And so when I'm going through the course, 
I'll give you an example. I love number one. I really love it for everyday play. Tour players hit it so far that I, it needs a north wind to probably get them to truly appreciate it. Um, so, but it stands by itself. I go to two and that hole's always stood by itself. And of course, with what you did there, opening up the split fairway, I obviously love the historical nature of that, regardless of if anybody ever goes down the left. Um, you know, the third hole, we removed a bunker. I mean, who does that in today's age? Not many, right? Everybody's adding more penalties. And this, it's a penalty, but it's not the standard throw an obstacle in front of you. You know, for just a minor change makes them think. They never had to think on that tee shot before. They now got to at least stand there and think about it and make sure they don't go to a certain side. Uh, five, you just can't miss that right going into that green now. So you can go for it in two if you rip it down there really far. But, boy, you so you want to be in those bunkers left or you want to take some chance? I mean, there's just so much more thinking. And I can go through each of the holes. But prior to this, I didn't feel like that was the case on every hole. I felt like, you know, you kind of maybe mailed it in a little bit on four and and you know, maybe nine, just don't be short. And certainly 10 and 11 were kind of whatever. And I just don't feel that way now. And, and certainly seven's fantastic. And uh, so, so I didn't pick any one thing. I love the width of the fairways. I love the look of the course. I'm a big fan of that, what I call kind of the old Augusta look where you're just big wide swaths working over the tees or the teeing areas through the fairways and into the greens. So, so Cosmetically, I like those things. I I wish we just kept going farther with it on the fairways because I really don't think the rough's much of a factor here. But why is that? Well, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir, but I mean, I share this story I had with Carrie Haig, of course, set up at the after last year. We were talking. I mean, he's looking at a lot of things for gallery flow. And I said, well, why don't we just mow the rough down and just run fairway all the way out to under the trees outside the ropes? And he wasn't opposed to that. He, from a play standpoint, he was like, that's great. It'll get the ball going farther out. But he also has to deal with the functionality of all the balls that would probably then be in the gallery and he'd be moving ropes all the time and it'd just be, you know, could be a total nightmare. So in effect, we were using the rough as a catcher's mitt to keep play moving along, you know, and, and, and I get all that and, and you got to do it. And if we didn't have it, everybody would probably be like, wow, no rough at Southern Hills and make that the story. And we don't, doesn't need to be it, but I just don't think it's necessary because anybody playing well is going to hit the fairway anyway. And anybody not playing well, the rough isn't going to hurt them because if they're hitting it that far offline, it's going farther and they're going to be hitting out of the trees. And so it's, it's a non-factor to me, and it certainly isn't anywhere around greens that it would be an issue. Okay. So now this is – let me talk a little bit about the championship. This is your second major championship at Southern Hills. Um, as a person, right, how do you feel going into this major championship versus how you felt in 2007? I feel good about this one. Um, I feel like we're in a really good spot. You know, that's 20% of it. The other 80 is going to be what type of weather we get that week. Um, we're in a spot where if we get the right weather, this is going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be fun either way. I fully was prepared for this to be a wet, you know, relatively speaking, softer event just in May here in Oklahoma. 
I never let myself aspire, imagine that we might catch a dry one. I was fully comfortable with it being soft. I think this golf course is going to hold up fine. I think it's going to, you know, show them a lot of great golf. Um, I'm slightly starting to look at the weather forecasts, which I hate to do because I don't trust them more than 24 hours, but I'm starting to, to build slight amount of hope that there's some chance we could catch some traditional Oklahoma weather here with a little bit of a breeze and, and some, and some dry conditions. If we get that, you're gonna have to play some golf around this place. You're gonna play it either way. And it's fine. It'll, it'll, you know, they've played major championships here for a long time. And the only weather that's consistent has been heat. It hasn't been necessarily windy through any of them. Certainly wasn't in 07. And, uh, and so I, 07, I don't know if I, I was pretty young. We were going full bore and I was so worried about the heat personally. I didn't know if I was going to make it. I wanted to make sure I didn't run out of steam by the end of the week. So it was, you know, get your work done and try to rest for 20 minutes and make sure you got it. Cause it was brutal hot that week. Um, but we were, you know, of course was great at that time condition wise. And, uh, and it played well, this one, I'm going to watch some golf. I want to see where they hit some of these and I want to see how they play. Tell us a little bit. If, if So you just talked about conditions and, and, you know, weather is obviously the wild card in major, you know, we all, people talk about architecture and how the golf course can play, but, and ultimately it comes down to that week, right? It comes down to the setup of the golf course and it comes down to what kind of weather. If you had in a perfect world, what would the, the setup look like to you? And what would the conditions be like if you, if you could just wave a magic wand and we could get that done? Yeah, I think we've, look, Kerry Kay will take, you know, some adjustments based on wind and everything, but in general, he's, I'm pretty excited with where he's going to play this golf course. Um, he's been very collaborative in discussions. Certainly previously when you were out here, um, all along, he's always, when he's decided on certain things, if I had a thought on something, he would listen and, and anything I would, felt strongly about he's adjusted um you know he does it on his own accord he's not doing it because i do it but he thinks about it he looks at it and and uh so i'm pretty excited about where this place is going to play there is absolutely no effort to treat these guys i mean other than probably length any different than the club president or anybody who plays this golf course every day and i love that because i think that that shows the golf course can play to anybody. Um, you know, obviously these guys can rip it and, you know, everyday member can't, I can't. Right. But I think they're going to see this place somewhat similar to what the members see it. And even if it's a little soft, I just, I think there's plenty of speed around the greens uh, our greens aren't going to be fast no matter what the weather were relative to what people think of in major championships. We're just going to be at comfortable speed right around good championship speed. Uh, we won't run anything like an Augusta speed. Um, probably a good chance we'll have the slowest green speeds of all four majors this year, depending upon the wind at the old course. Um, but they got to hit them well into those greens. And if they don't, it's still going to move away from the greens pretty pretty far in places 
so the perfect setup for me, I believe we're, we've got the right setup plan or Kerry does Kerry. Hey, I really like what he's doing. He's been very collaborative. I, I shouldn't say collaborative. I mean, he, he knows what he wants to do and, and I don't think he comes in with any plan of how he's going to play it. He looks at the course and says, here's where I can play it distance wise. Here's the whole locations I can use. And this is what the course is. He's not leaving any, he's not leaving anything out of the setup that I think would be a negative. I think it's going to be a great setup. He'll obviously make adjustments. The perfect one for me would probably have about a 10 mile an hour wind a little bit out of the North because it's for the tour players. As long as these guys hit it, it's, probably the only way they're going to see number one play the way everybody plays it. If the wind's laid down or coming off their back, they're not going to, you know, those bunkers down the left side just aren't going to make them think. So they won't have that risk reward element of they'll just hit it over them and go. If they've got to think about those, then, you know, the right side's such a tough shot into that green, not as hard for them, but, but certainly tougher. So, We'll probably get a southeast wind that time of year, but if we could catch a couple of days out of the north, you'd see a big difference. You'll see hole one, hole number one with a north wind could play as the hardest hole on the golf course, but without it, it could play as the fifteenth hardest. I mean, it's that wide of a range, and it doesn't take much, just a little bit. Yeah. Now we've talked a lot about the sort of runoff areas around the greens and the difference. Um, are those going to be maintained at a lower height than fairway, or are they maintain a fairway height? They're not. They're going to be maintained the same as the fairways. So they'll be at, right now we're at 375, which uh, is, is pretty pretty tight for us. It's going to, you know, if you're mowing seven days a week, that's going to be pretty tight in May. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be good. Can you tell us a little bit about your team, give you a chance to brag on your, your assistance and also the, uh, you know, all the volunteers that are coming into town and, and kind of how that entire – process works for a major championship well my team hopefully i don't mess this up they'll never let me live it down <laughs> let's start with dougie fresh doug kokenauer who you know from he was out at la with me and uh he's one of our assistants here does he still have that awful beard got an awful beard he's rocking it though he's rocking it <laughs> got himself a one-year-old baby boy that he's loving right now that's uh, awesome Doing an incredible job here. Blake Willems, who I was fortunate enough to inherit when I came back here. Arkansas boy who uh, just kills it, brings it every day. Uh, locked in on anything you need him to do. Uh, Robert Frizzell is with us, who's a local Oklahoma State grad, local Tulsa young man. And, and he has been focused on the bunkers for us, which has been fantastic. Uh, doing a great job Been dialed in on that for us for three months with a crew of guys that are just doing a great job. Um, then I, I got, you know, I got so many, but a mechanic, Roy, William, Roy uh, Bradshaw has been with us 37 years here at the club in all different capacities. Uh, horticulturalist Wilson Neese, been here geez i'm gonna get these wrong but he 12 years maybe now uh just what's great with him is he didn't need me he didn't probably want me around uh he i and i don't need to check on what he's doing he takes care of everything on his own and and uh makes my life easy um gosh i'll leave guys out i mean into my team i the 
the un, unsung group here that doesn't ever get any of that, what we call our apprentice superintendents. Um, you know, when you're building out for these tournaments, anybody who's done it knows you got to locate for every stake they're putting in the ground. And there's some 2000 fence posts going in the ground just for that. Every structure staked down and you got to make sure they're not going to hit pipes, irrigation, power, gas. Um, and the gentleman has been doing that. has been doing an incredible job for us, Kyle Gray. And, you know, Hattie Spies is spraying for us when we're spraying and hand water. And, you know, it's just, there's a group of them, Caleb McBride, and I can name them all. They've been really, everybody's been great, but the hours those guys put in is they put in more than I do. I mean, you know, I'm going to RJ's basketball practice and they're still out here locating stuff for, for CBS till seven o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night. So can't, yeah. can't do enough without them. We do have about 55 volunteers coming in pretty much from all over. A lot of people used to work with me at some point in my career. And then, uh, you know, the general group in our network, uh, you know, the, uh, Stevie Rabbi, well, Steve Rabbi's Oak Hill, all these guys, Oakmont, they were all sent guys down. Paul B at Marion, Marion sending a guy down that's helping us out. A lot of them who were here last year for the senior. Nice. Well, it's, a, it's quite a brotherhood fraternity yeah. that uh, yeah, you can draw from with all these guys. And you're right. They, it goes so underappreciated. And I don't think people really understand the amount of work and effort that goes in beforehand. And then, you know, the, the actual tournament and what you're doing and, and, and how important that is. Do you think you'll be able to enjoy it? Are you going to find any time to just kind of relax? Or is that maybe Sunday afternoon or is there, you know, how, how does that work? I, I always talk to people, it goes by so fast, you know, before you know it, it's Monday morning and you're like, Oh my God, wait, we've just been preparing for this. Are you going to find time or how, how's that going to, you know, how do you think you're going to be during those? And obviously a lot of it's going to depend on the weather and how, how you have, if you have to react to anything crazy, but you know, do you think you'll have time to enjoy it? Yeah, well, I blocked off some time for you and I to go over to the Bull and Bear so we could have a All right. <laughs> I don't know if you're, you're going to have time. Everybody seems to want your time anymore, too. So um, You can always make time for Bull and Bear and Burnco. Yeah, as, as Wagner calls it, the black hole. Yeah, you can get in there and you can't. Can time just seems to stop in there. You know, <laughs> the next thing you know, you can wait a second. What? It's 1130? That's right. <laughs> After work. Um, you know, I... I'm pretty lucky. Look, I do the morning meeting and I talk to the crew like I'm the one running the show around here. But as you know, I'm not running it. I mean, Doug and Blake and, and Robert are, are the ones that once I've done that, they start going and I'm in their way a lot more than I'm not. You know, I drive around and I see stuff and I comment and they call me later and go, hey, hey that's not what he was doing this. And so I'm able to enjoy it. I mean, obviously, assuming good weather, I, I love to get my family out here. My parents are coming in for it. Awesome. We've got a, we got a great setup. I wish I could show you the setup we've got for the volunteer headquarters. We got, you know, if you go to the championships, you got the big video board in the media room or out on the course now. And, and uh, we've got one set up in the uh, in the volunteer tent that's uh, 32 feet long, seven and a half feet high. And we've got couches set up on a grant theater seating for because it's it, if the weather's right it's a lot of being here and not able to do much during the middle of the day and we really want everybody who comes in to help us to be able to relax and you know work on their computer we can hook up Fortnite if we need to and they can play video <laughs> and 
Um, but we need them here. Really can't afford for them to go anywhere during the day in case weather changes or, uh, you know, with traffic and getting back in and out of here would be tough. So, yeah. so it's a big commitment for the week and we want to make it comfortable. So ideally we're going to watch a little golf, watch my kids come in and hang around and ride around with me. And, and, uh, as you know, it's gotten to a point in my life. That's, that's more fun than anything I, I got going on. So. Yeah, I saw that picture uh, Jeff Shackelford put up uh, after his there with you and, and RJ and I, man, but he was like the happiest kid in the world that day. <laughs> rake and jump on equipment, and that was just so much fun. Yeah, I've got the ones nobody would recognize Grace anymore, but the ones you had Grace in the bulldozer back yeah. geez, seven, eight years ago, seven years ago, she was young, man. She had to be, yeah. you shouldn't tell OSHA that. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't release. All right, so now we got to get to the obligatory you know, what kind of player is going to win at Southern Hills, you know, winning score below above minus 10. I mean, obviously we have no idea what the weather and setup, et cetera, but you know, what, what does your gut tell you? I mean, or, and do you have a name? Do you have somebody you like you think could win there? Yeah. You know, I keep reading that it's, it's a second shot course and, and you got to play certain shots. Well, I, I honestly don't think this place rules anybody out. Certainly now. Um, I think, I take the comments, you know, Kerry Cosby shared with me some of the comments from Jay Haas last year at the senior or Tom Lehman. I can't remember which one said it, but that you stand on the tee and it just, it looks so wide to you. You just feel like you're almost chicken if you don't hit driver and, and it entices you. And so I think there's certainly ability to go bomb and gouge or whatever you want to do. I think there's also plenty of ability to, strategically move your way around the course and hit good irons all day. And I think you can get recoveries because I don't think people get away from you here. Um, it, it, it feels to me like historically it's, it's a course where you need one good round and then you just got to play steady the others. You need that, you know, tiger 63 and you win at eight under, you know, and is that going to be it this year? It could be. I mean, it's what it's been historically. It's 400 plus yards longer than it was in 07. Uh, they probably hit it 700 yards longer than they did in 07, but, but uh, it's longer. Yeah. There's more visual width, but they still got to play the same corridors in the same alleys. The bunkers are, the fairway bunkers are definitely more in play than 07. I mean, they arguably weren't in play in 07. So I'll give you an example I thought about the other day. Augusta played somewhere around 7,500 yards, par 72. We're going to play about roughly 7,500 yards, par 70. So I would think that looking at their winning score this year without recalling what it was offhand, it probably puts us somewhere under par. But I wouldn't be surprised or disappointed if someone shoots 12, 13 under. Um Especially if it's, you know, you recall Max Homa out at LA Country Club playing just incredible and shooting yeah. three. And then, you know, I don't know what he won that at. It was, wasn't wasn't eight under. I mean, if you play well, you should get rewarded. And I think you can do that here. I think the thing to look for is, does the dynamic change? Historically, you kind of was a front runner's course, right? If you got out here, Ray Floyd, you, you get the lead, it's pretty tough to overtake them. I'm kind of curious if if all the work you all did 
bringing back some of, you know, most of what was here, if that changes, I'm kind of curious if there is a little more, um, you can't just protect the lead, you know, you better go. And, and, and I hope that's the case. So I'm looking forward to that on Sunday. I kind of hope that it's not the same leader for the last three days. I think, I think we can get some action this year, especially, you know, again, we get the right weather. Yeah. No, example I, is a good example, Gil, think of 13. You know, when you played in 07, you, I don't know what they were hitting in, but it was probably a mid iron, right? Yep. There might be a couple who had a mid iron, but they're going to have cranked some balls out there and they're going to want to go for that. And it might be with a three iron and that's a small green with a lot of bunkers around it. Who knows what could happen, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think that hopefully there's some of that unpredictability that the, there's a little bit more swings you know, that yeah. can, can happen as opposed to, you know, sort of a narrow band of scoring out there, which, which I think the golf course will allow. Not to, uh, I'm not doing, I mean, but seven's a good example. I mean, when they played seven and 07, I don't know what scoring average was, but the differential between whether someone made a birdie or a bogey, nobody made doubles. Nobody made, you know what I mean? And you can make a number there now, right? You can turn a double up there and they're, you know, you can birdie it. You play it well. Then these guys, you know, can throw it up there and stick it in there. But, but I think you got wider disparity of what they can score on these holes than they did before. I mean, 10 was the same way. It was a five iron to the corner and a wedge up to the green. And now it's could be a driver and a wedge. It could be an iron and a little longer club. And, and I, I don't think where we're going to play it, there'll be anybody driving it. I mean, we're playing it on the tee expanded to be used for the tournament. So, um, That'll be, I mean, I, I said it the other day, but if you're a mid-distance player here in this tournament with the right breeze or the right wind, it's not out of the realm of possibility you hit 16 drivers around this place. Wow. You think about that. Let's just say it's a light southeast. I mean, you could hit driver all through this place. You get a driver on eight off the tee, right? And, and the only place you're not hitting driver would probably be on 11 and uh, six. Yeah. 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 And with, you know, dependent or. See, I know the golf course. I'm not like those architects who don't know the holes. <laughs> 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 I've been out there once or twice. Hey, yeah. hey, before I, uh, we wrap this up, you got anything you want to ask me or any, any comments, questions, concerns? Oh man. How much time we got? We got what all you want. <laughs> what was your favorite part about working at Southern Hills? Uh, you know, I, it, there's something, I mean, I love, so it was one of those things where I, whenever I looked at Southern Hills from an aerial perspective, I just looked down and see green grass, white oval bunkers, trees, and never really thought there was a golf course underneath that, right? It was just a very simplistic look at it. And, and I just loved the, the landscape. I mean, that, the landforms out there, the routing is amazing. The way he fit the golf course in there, uh, all the information that we got from Clyde that, you know, helped us uncover all these things, I think was really exciting. But, but at the core of it, I really enjoyed being in Tulsa. Yeah. You know, I thought Tulsa was a cool place. It was, you guys made it very comfortable for me with that house over there in Brookside. It was fun to be around. I mean, I've said this before, but to have a club in the middle of America that has arguably the strongest senior staff with you and Kerry Cosby and Nick Sidorkis. I mean, that's, that's a murderer's row 
in, in each of your own individual and, and the club is run so well. The members are super friendly. You guys made it easy for us to be there. So, I mean, it was, it was a very comfortable, comfortable project. We got to check all our boxes on the historical stuff. Great golf course. We, we hope we improved it. We know we certainly got it a lot closer to Perry Maxwell's vision. Um, and, you know, now we're getting to get to see the best players in the world test that. And that's always fun. You just trust everybody you work with here that, that they know how to do what they're doing. And it makes my life a million times easier and it allows me the freedoms to have these fun relationships I get to have with you guys and Jim and get to spend time with you when you're here. All right. Well, a couple of quickies uh, as we as we go out out the door. I mean, we've had a lot of long conversations, Bull and Bear, a couple other places. You know, if if given the choice, would you rather talk politics, sports or golf? I used to used to be politics, but I can't talk them anymore. It's exhausting and and uh, and it's not really a talk anymore. So I don't I like talking sports. I don't like arguing sports certain i like talking parts of golf i like some of it but i uh i don't know it's you know me i'll get in a dialogue on anything so gary (laughs) we've had a few cold beers together what goes better with cold beer barbecue or pizza well it's a trick question because everything goes better with cold beer (laughs) but it is very true that's a tough question Probably have to say I seem to find pizza better. No, I love probably like barbecue more. I, uh, pizza with beer for me is a little better mix. Nice. All right, and and you were wearing hoodies way before hoodies were cool. Um, are you going to take credit for the the hoodie introduction into the game of golf, which you can see I'm wearing in your honor? It's become kind of a part of the uh, I don't know what's culture, but at least part of the uh, the fabric of golf, but you're the first one I knew who was doing it. I I'm telling you, I take fashion uh, trends. I think I'm responsible for a lot of them, not just in golf, but worldwide. So you know, I'm a pretty fashionable guy. <laughs> and, and if you're looking for oversized clothes and uh, hoodies and flip flops, I'm your guy. But yeah, no, I, I it's you know, people don't. I, I'll tell a quick story if you got time. Yeah, please. There's there's functionality to it all. In 2007, I wore a hoodie because it'd be somewhat cool in the morning. And once I wasn't comfortable in a hoodie anymore or a sweatshirt, but it was a hoodie because I wear it over my ears in the morning. I knew it was time I needed to pay attention to the greens. And it was kind of a measuring stick for me. So I wouldn't forget the minute I took it off. I was like, that's it. I got to go pay attention to greens. Now, I certainly have kind of gotten used to wearing them. By the way, everybody on the planet knows that, so they all bring me more of them, which I don't need anymore. I appreciate it, but I don't need it anymore. And and now the thing, I'm using these earbuds, these, and I'm not advertising for these by any chance. I don't get any money for this, but I use these earbuds, and they work great. So since we're dealing with audio right now, the only thing that happens to them is when I'm driving in my cart, you get a little wind. So I pull the hoodie off over because it acts as a screen to the wind. So it's all about functionality. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, I deserve credit for a lot of fashion trends in this world. Me and uh, Tom Ford and Louis Vuitton, I got it. Yeah, it's, yeah. when I think of style icons, I think of wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big part of it. <laughs> well, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you out on the golf course. And, uh, yeah, thanks, man. You're the best.
Hey, love you, man. See ya. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Can't thank Russ Myers enough taking time out of what is uh, obviously a very busy schedule to talk with us about Southern Hills and and the upcoming major championship there, the PGA Championship. In this industry, you know, golf architects, we get to be the rock stars and kiss babies and shake hands, but the most underappreciated people in our industry are the superintendents. They ultimately make us look good. They present the golf course, hopefully the way we, we all talk about it and the way we collaborate from a design perspective and a playability perspective. What the golf course superintendents do is so, so important to major championship golf. And anytime you watch out there, obviously when the golf course and the players are out there playing, it's all about the players and how they're playing it. But in the preparation and the run up to major championships, the amount of time and energy and effort that golf course superintendents put into the product is, is staggering. So as you're watching the golf course, hopefully we're gonna see wonderful play. We're gonna see really interesting conditions. We're gonna see architecture working, but at the base of all of that is gonna be a golf course that's gonna be maintained wonderfully. And Russ Myers, is, he's a true professional. He's a lot of fun to be around, but he understands what he does and the importance of it and the relevance to major championship golf. So we're really excited to see how this golf course plays from an architectural perspective but really, truly proud of our association with Russ and his entire team there. And I'm certain that we're going to see a stellar golf course presentation for the PGA Championship. Thanks again.